This episode is supported by Vegamore. I'm a month and a half into my Vegamore journey. I don't know if you've ever had a garden and planted seeds, but when that first little growth breaks ground, it's exciting. And on my very head, I can see some new growth in the areas that I've noticed hair thinning before. And it's exciting to see those little babies coming in. I use the shampoo, conditioner, and the grow serum, which have a lovely, mellow, warm citrus smell. I've been consistently using this and it makes my hair feel soft and full. And it's really important to me that I use safe and conscious products whenever I can. And Vegamore is 100% cruelty-free and are never formulated with potentially harmful chemicals like parabens or hormones. Elevate your hair wellness routine this year with Vegamore. For a limited time, get 20% off your first subscription order by going to vegamore.com slash mind and use code mind at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash mind, code mind to save 20% on your first order. V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash mind, code mind. Welcome to Mom and Mind, where we dive into all aspects of perinatal mental health and wellness related to pregnancy, birth, loss, postpartum, and new parenthood. It's so much more than postpartum depression. We raise the volume on all of these topics in the hopes that someday everyone will have the support and info that they deserve before they need it. Please note this podcast is not a replacement for treatment by a professional or professional training. Welcome to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. As you may or may not have realized already, There are a lot of assumptions about how pregnancy is going to go and how people are going to feel during pregnancy. Ideally, everyone would be able to have a peaceful and calm and healthy pregnancy. People aren't always talking about the difficulties they have during pregnancy or the decisions they have to make about their own health or the health of their child. In our episode today, we are going to touch on a fetal diagnosis and what that means. And Leora Rosen, our guest, is going to be sharing her personal experience of finding out that her baby in utero had a fetal diagnosis at the 21-week anatomy scan. Her experience ultimately became a source of motivation to become certified in perinatal mental health and combine that with her work and background as an occupational therapist. Looking back to her first child in 2012, she wished she had someone with her background in occupational therapy and perinatal mental health to help her navigate pregnancy and postpartum. She is now a passionate advocate about helping moms when their pregnancy and postpartum journey feel off course. Now with her three busy kids living in New York, she works to help mothers and parents in their pregnancy and postpartum journey. In our conversation, she's going to share some details about the fetal diagnosis, as well as what occupational therapy is and how it can be helpful to new parents. One of the things I love about doing these interviews on this podcast is exploring the ways in which different kinds of care intersect and interact with perinatal mental health, and how many resources there really are available to us that maybe we just don't know about. April happens to be Occupational Therapy Month, so I am grateful for Leora's interview here on the Mom and Mind podcast. I hope you find this information helpful and useful. So let's jump right in and hear from Leora. Welcome, Leora. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to get your perspective and learn about your experience, especially through the eyes of your profession and and your your personal experience. I, I think a lot of people out there have experiences similar to yours, but don't 
have anyone to relate it to or relate to about it, then it can feel really, really isolating. So I'm especially grateful that you're coming to share your story. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, So start wherever you're comfortable. Sure. So I guess we can go back to 2011, 2012. I can't believe it's almost nine years already. When I found out that I was expecting my first child. And of course, I had this plan of what I thought it would be. But it took almost a year to become pregnant. And it was generally an easy pregnancy, you know, despite morning sickness and terrible skin uh, throughout most of it. Mm. Um, Generally, looking back, it it did feel pretty easy relative to what was to come. But, uh, you know, when it was getting closer towards the end, um, I just, I had all these ideas of what to expect, right? I had taken the classes, I had learned about breastfeeding, I had generally learned how to take care of um, my baby to be. And then I was feeling like, okay, it's time, you know, I would joke, it's time to evict you, like, you're, you're mm-hmm. done, you're out, I just can't wait to meet you already. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was all a pretty lighthearted experience, including that eggplant parm recipe that people talk about. Uh, <laughs> My parents actually made it for me. It took them Uh almost three hours. And yeah, it was delicious. And 45 minutes later, I went into labor, which is, it's, it's crazy to think um, how that happened. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So a few hours later, I was at the hospital. It was in the middle of the night. And I found out at that point that my baby was breech. And that was a complete surprise. And I didn't exactly know what that meant. I had not expected it. I didn't really ask questions about it leading up to labor and delivery. And so I ended up having an emergency Mm -hmm. C-section, which again, of course, was not part of my plan. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, And so there was this cascading effect from there. I didn't understand what recovery should or would be like. um, And I didn't really consider what would transpire in terms of the transition home, caring for my baby, whether Mm -hmm. I could lift him, and everything that would then play out from there. So Mm -hmm. I, I found myself really struggling with pain control, with just understanding how to feed my baby and what are the right positions and how to get into a groove, if you will. Yeah. And, you know, recognizing that we were both learning as it was new for both of us. Um, mm-hmm. I have hindsight's 2020 in the moment. It was just <laughs> very, very stressful. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that, but it was extremely isolating at the time. And I thought, oh my goodness, I, I feel so alone. Um, how do I deal with this? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, from there, I actually, I had quite a bit of support. I was very, very fortunate. I consider myself to have had excellent care um, for myself, for my baby, and then also to have family support. And all the grandparents came to town. You know, I would joke that my baby was the magnet and it got everybody <laughs> there <laughs> yep. for a long time. Um, and then the third week, everybody left within one day of each mm-hmm. other. So it was mm-hmm. pretty poor planning in, in that respect. And what stands out to me is is the day, the first day that I was alone. Yeah. And my husband had been back at work. And I was just sitting there with the play mat and the baby on the floor. And I just, I started crying and I just Mm -hmm. thought, now what, you know, my baby was fussy. I felt like feedings were not going well. This was my only job 
at the moment, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's like, how could I be getting this wrong? What am I doing wrong? And I just didn't know what to do next. And so shifting between that mom hat and clinician hat wasn't really, you know, that was very new. It was, it was only three mm-hmm. weeks. Mm-hmm. And so I, I did pick up the phone and I called my pediatrician's office and I just said, I, I'm having trouble with feeding and I don't, I just don't know what to do. And so they recommended a lactation consultant and she showed up that afternoon to my house. Oh, wow. It, yes. Yes. That's amazing. And to this day, we are very much connected and she's mm-hmm. supported me through the the births of, of my second and third child. And it was just so incredible to find that support and ha- build that rapport with her. And it really got me through it. It, it yeah. really lifted us up. It, it, it enabled us to create that, that bond and, and really meet my goals. In my mind, I just thought, okay, let's give this breastfeeding a shot. You know, everyone says, oh, it's natural. It's, it's not natural. No. <laughs> it definitely takes a lot of practice, mm-hmm. but with the right support, hopefully it can work out the way that we want it to. So, yeah. mm-hmm. so thankfully that, that went in a good direction. But yeah, I mean, I just felt so lost and overwhelmed mm-hmm. at many points throughout the postpartum period, mm-hmm. not recognizing at the time that there was a part of that that was normal, if you will. Mm-hmm. And there's just this level of, a, of stress and adjustment that happens. Right. And I didn't even know that word. I did mm-hmm. not realize that my emotions would have swings. I didn't realize mm-hmm. the the magnitude of the physical recovery. I didn't realize that there would be this huge shift right. in how my time was spent before having a baby to then taking care of a baby and mm-hmm. basically reorganizing my life. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a <laughs> massive change. It's a huge change. And so I had all these great ideas. So I thought of, okay, baby will just kind of go with it. Right. Mm-hmm. And to an extent, when they're little, maybe, you know, no schedule, really, they, mm-hmm. there's a lot of sleeping that happens, but the awake times were very fussy. And, mm-hmm. and so it was all a bit of a shock, essentially, you know, that feeling of shell shock, like, oh, gosh, where? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what just what just happened? What is the, yeah, absolutely. Right, right. Um, so from there, you know, I, I did go back to work part-time and started slowly. I, I, maybe by the six month mark, I started feeling somewhat normal, whatever that means. No, right. Just trying to reintegrate to somewhat of a, you know, adult productive lifestyle while also caring for my, my baby. And so my, my second child was born two years later. So the, they were pretty close in age. And I felt that the shift from zero to one was much harder for me than one to two. Mm, In essence, mm -hmm. it was a bit of an assembly line (laughs) because they were so little, but I just having, having been through it before, I just thought, okay, I realize that there is this shift that will happen and just Mm -hmm. give myself some time and accept more support. And just, I had a better idea, you know, going into it. And I also, I felt more successful as a mother Mm-hmm. because I had set this goal for myself. It said, I'm going to have a VBAC. And I pushed for that for most of the pregnancy. And then it was able to happen. Mm. And my doctor was 
my number one cheerleader. And it was incredible the way that it all played out. And not that that's something to measure anybody's worth at all. But for me, having felt no control Mm -hmm. at all in the, in my first experience with delivery, I just, it was, it was just such a nice boost um, to have been Mm -hmm. able to go through that. Like, yeah, kind of reclaiming a little bit of what you wanted. Exactly, exactly. So that to me, that set the tone for welcoming my second child. And everything had gone pretty smoothly, I'd say, for a while. And then it was just the chaos then of having a six-month-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. Mm-hmm. You know, one's becoming mobile. The other <laughs> one is you know, testing independence and yeah. <laughs> all of that. So there was just a new adjustment, constant adjustments, right? Yeah, always. Support for today's episode comes from OneSkin. And for a limited time, my listeners get an exclusive 15% off OneSkin products using the code MIND when you check out at oneskin.co. Well, I've kept up my mini resolution of taking better care of my skin after consistently using OneSkin for several weeks and all is going well. I can't see what's going on at a cellular level, but I can tell you that my skin feels soft and healthy. But they did do some cool research that looked at before and after exposure of the OS1 peptide to skin cells, and the OneSkin scientists found that the peptide reverses skin's biological age. And you can even see that study by Zonari A. et al. in the NPJ Aging Journal. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code MIND at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code MIND. After you purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. New year, healthier skin. That's One Skin. This episode is supported by Factor. Eating better is better with ready-to-eat Factor meals. And ready to eat means pop it in the microwave for two minutes and done. I mix in a few of these meals into my rotation for the days that we're on the run or that I don't want to make anything. I chose the high protein and calorie smart options, one of which is the mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice with garlic roasted green beans. This is restaurant quality and so tasty. I can adjust how many meals I get in my order as much or as little as I need every week. Plus, I can pause or reschedule my deliveries anytime, which comes in really handy for our busy schedule. Head to factormeals.com slash momandmind50 and use code momandmind50 to get 50% off. That's code momandmind50 at factormeals.com slash momandmind50 to get 50% off. Yeah. So, so with this, after this, after your second child was born, you didn't have the, the same sense of overwhelm or um, I guess anxiety or, or down feelings. It, it was correct. It was different. I think it, it snuck up in different ways mm-hmm. um, where there were feeding issues that I was mm-hmm. dealing with, with my oldest child and just the juggle and yeah. figuring out how to have a daily routine, how to meet one's needs for play and socialization and development and right. just just managing all of that. And then, of course, trying to figure out, you know, I remember I couldn't even figure out how to hire help. You know, I, I was mm-hmm. trying to figure mm-hmm. out how, how to get a babysitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
And it was like, well, what do I need? I don't even know what I need. I, mm-hmm. I don't even know what hours or days or I just mm-hmm. could not put it all together. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like the, it gets, it can get really foggy and things that feel like simple decisions just are not. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that was, that was pretty eye opening for me because again, you know, shifting between, you know, wearing the mom hat, I thought, well, of course, this is a really difficult decision. And then I would shift to my clinical hat and I would say, well, this is what you need to do. Just gain, you know, gain some clarity, you know, scale back mm-hmm. a little bit. Let's map it out. And of course, it's wearing the two hats at the same time is yeah. very challenging, if not yeah. impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, so from there, I, at that time, I was getting a bit of an itch um, to shift um, focus in my career and I had gone off on this wild journey of creating this postpartum friendly tank top. I had learned a new industry <laughs> and realized that I really missed connecting and supporting clients. Yeah. Um, that's what I had done for so many years. I had been in acute rehabilitation, um, mental health and pediatrics, and I just felt that a combination of those settings with the populations I was working with, combining all that would have would be such great support for moms going through this massive transition. And absolutely. Yeah. So I started exploring, you know, what's going on in the world of occupational therapy. Mm -hmm. um, Who's doing this work, if anybody, and how do I get there? What do I what do I need to do to be able to kind of go into this space. And so I had found a Facebook group mm-hmm. <laughs> and learned that in fact there there were providers working in postpartum care or at least yeah. you know working towards that direction. And so it it very much makes sense. There seems to be a great fit. Occupational therapists are our goal with all the settings that we work in and all the people that we work with it's facilitating participation in everyday living. So when we have people who are struggling with that mm-hmm. and unable to essentially live their lives to the fullest, whether it's an injury, an illness, or a, a major life transition, um, we can step into help. Great. Thank you for highlighting, um, <laughs> explaining a little bit about what you do. I, I know a lot of people don't quite understand what, what it means to be an occupational therapist. And that, that was such a beautiful explanation. Oh, I, I'm glad to, to share that because it, you know, I think a lot of us struggle with that elevator pitch. Yeah. Um, right, right, right. <laughs> what, so what do you do? Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So the more I learned, you know, I, I ended up finding many courses and learning from others, um, from other OTs who were either faculty or researchers and who were who are doing the work and sharing the, the evidence and, and the knowledge base that's out there. And there were a few um, key points that, that have really struck a chord. Notably, uh, there's a study, not by OTs, but by a psychologist and psychiatrist who, who shared that at six months postpartum, 80% of the participants in their study had not fully resumed to usual self-care activities. Mm. And while I, I could say that it doesn't seem so surprising because I feel like for us mothers, yeah. we've been there. Right, right. That's a huge statistic. That's it's a huge number. And yep. we know the link between postpartum depression and the lack mm-hmm. of self-care. Mm-hmm. And so when we just 
look at this information. It's like, okay, what can we do to help? And when we're looking at daily living and we're looking at roles and habits and routines and OTs have this 360 degree view with the physical piece, the emotional piece and the psychosocial piece impacting occupational performance, Mm -hmm. um, occupation being how we spend our time, how we occupy our time. When we're looking at it through that lens, it's like, okay, Mm-hmm. Where's this fit? How do we connect the person, the task at hand or the demands and the environment? And how do we create that best fit? And mm-hmm. how do we just truly understand and how do we help? Right. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so lots of learning and lots of, of networking and meeting other OTs in this space. And it, it's such a great group of, of therapists. We specifically working with new parents. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's great. It, it is wonderful. And, and there's a big push to, to understand the evidence and, and many are doing the research right now, which is, which is very, very exciting. So just really paying attention to function, right? Maternal function, which is highlighted in the literature by Dr. Barkin and, and Dr. Wisner. And that's been really exciting to learn more about that. The way I look at it is, you know, there's a huge continuum of function and dysfunction. Mm-hmm. And we just can't ignore what's going on in that middle space, right? right There's right. that gray area. And we, I think we can all say this, we want mothers to stay well, and we want at-risk mothers to have proper support. Right. right. And so that's really the area of focus for, for my work th- these days. And uh, just for, for people who are listening, how, if, if they're like, oh, yes, this sounds like the kind of support that I need, how would they go about finding an occupational therapist? Where do you, where would they look? So this, I, I'm so glad you asked because we all ask each other this, it, you know, we, <laughs> we were, we were not trained in branding and marketing. Mm-hmm, okay. <laughs> um, so right now I, you know, in, in your local communities and just asking around if, if you're not directly connected with one and mm-hmm. um, hopefully we're, we're doing a good job of, of connecting with other providers in the community and we can get referrals that way. Um, but also social media and just looking for the tags, occupational therapy. And like for myself, I'm on the postpartum support international provider directory. Um, yeah. Good for you. I'll, yes. I'll get to that a little later, but, <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I've been contacted by a yoga therapist and a chiropractor in the past few weeks. And it's very exciting to be making these connections. And so I'm hopeful that when they have clients who they might realize are maybe feeling overwhelmed or lost or stuck right. In, right. in their journeys that they would think of, of me and my work. Okay. So I think just, just talk, I think starting to answer your question, just talking about it, right. It's a lot of mm-hmm. word of mouth right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. So whether it's a friend or a provider, um, and hopefully we can all direct each other to the, in the right way. Great. Okay. Awesome. I, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, for, for sharing that. I, yeah. There's just so many options for people to get help and they don't know about all of them. So just you bringing this in is really valuable to everyone listening. And I know there's a lot more to your story. So I, I also want to get back to that and, and hear how else your journey 
showed up? Sure, sure. So I had started down this path and then I had found out two days before one of my birthdays that I was expecting my third child. And I, my husband and I were completely overjoyed. we had had a miscarriage about a year before that. And so we were really looking forward to growing our family at that point. And everything was going really well again, you know, except for the morning sickness and, and, mm-hmm. you know, what I consider to be expected. And I had several scans and things were fine. And then at the 21 week appointment, we were just waiting in the room after the scan. It seemed like forever. Mm-hmm. And we just kept looking at each other, like what is going on here? And the doctor came in, completed the scan again, and then mm-hmm. invited us to her office at which point, which, you know, we just knew something was wrong. Right. Um, so we were asked, you know, have you ever heard of an emphalocele? And neither of us had. And the doctor had asked, you know, how much information would you like? Would you like pictures? Would you like words? Would you like statistics? Just getting a sense of what we needed, right? So she shared everything. That's what we wanted. And it ended up to be a six plus hour day at the office, which you know, at the time seemed grueling. Um, but looking back at it, it was really fortunate that so much had happened in that day. And we had a lot of counseling, genetic counseling. Yeah, We had an amnio and just tried to get as much information as we could to understand what we were dealing with. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it was just, you know, keep my head down and just gather data, right? Yeah, I was yeah. I kind of pretty much detached you know, from the situation emotionally and just said, okay, I need to understand the big picture here. And so we took that and we were living in Manhattan at the time. And all I wanted to do was just kind of crawl up into a little hole and escape. And, you know, when you leave the office, you know, just walking home. So I, you know, of course, running into people on the street was, I just didn't want to see anyone. I didn't want to talk to anyone. And, And that was just really tricky to figure out, okay, how will I be coping with this? again, shifting between that, that mom hat and that, and that clinician hat. And so, you know, my husband and I decided to take 24 hours and just not talk to anybody. Obviously, besides our, our we had two boys at the time who were, you know, quite little. Mm-hmm. And one of the best things that I'll hold on to was when the doctor, she was incredible. She just, after everything, before we were leaving, she said, please just go take your, your kids out for ice cream. Mm. And, and I just thought, of course, of course, I should just go, you know, snuggle into them and treat them and just mm-hmm. try to enjoy those moments um, right. because everything else was so heavy. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so from there, um, th- I just, I took the next 24 hours to just be by myself and really just cry and yeah. like, you know, just let it all out. And th- there was so much unknown. We really didn't know what we were dealing with at the time. It was, there were, there was a huge, again, continuum of possibilities of what could be. So we were just waiting on test results. And and um, just for the, the people listening who don't know what an umphalocele is, can you just briefly describe um, that and what sure. you were considering? Sure. So it's an abdominal wall defect. So there is an opening where the umbilical cord attaches to the body and organs can be out of the body when the baby is born. And there's a small sac that's covering it. So essentially it's protected, but it could be bowel inside. It could be liver, stomach, other Mm -hmm. organs. Um, And sometimes this 
um, physical anomaly happens in isolation. And other times there are genetic defects associated or heart defects. Um, it's considered a midline defect. So there could be other issues that come up throughout the midline of, of, of the body, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. Have you heard yet about Climb Out of the Darkness? It is the world's largest event raising funds and awareness for the mental health of new families. The Climb is hosted by Postpartum Support International, and it's a community event and international fundraiser for survivors, providers, and members of the community to come together. The goal is to raise awareness for perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, as well as bring communities together. The more we shine a light on perinatal mental health conditions, the less alone people will be, the more likely we are to get to them and offer them support so that they don't have to suffer. You can find out more about it by going to cotd-2021.causevox.com. Or you can go to postpartum.net and under Join Us, find Climb Out of the Darkness. I was a climb leader for several years in my local area. And what I can tell you is that the feeling of people coming together in your local community to raise awareness and feel the togetherness that this event brings is like nothing else. If you've ever had a perinatal mental health condition, you know what it's like to be around people who get it. And whether you're a climb leader or you want to just join a climb or even sponsor a climb, all of the funds raised are put to good use. Truth be told, you don't even actually have to climb. You can walk, you can roll, and you can couch surf. The point is, is coming together and creating community so that we all know that we're not alone. So when you, after this long six hour day in terms of, well, let me first ask if you feel comfortable talking about what, what all you guys were having to consider and sit with for those, you know, 24, 48 hours. Sure. So the first round of tests that we were waiting to come back had to do with is, is what we're dealing with or the fetus dealing with Is it compatible with life? First Mm -hmm. of all, Mm -hmm. we, we did not have that information at that point. And so that was a grueling 24 hours. And so the appointment was on a Thursday Mm -hmm. and I basically had 10 minutes to decide if I wanted the amnio that day or not. And so, of course, when I was in school learning about this, I said, oh, I'm never going to have that. Why would I put the baby at risk? But, Mm -hmm. you know, in practice, it's not really that risky when I look Mm -hmm. at all of the information, right? Ultrasound guided, the doctor had been doing it for so long, you know, they have the Mm -hmm. proper training, Mm -hmm. it's what we needed. um, And it made perfect sense. So we decided to do that, because we knew that we would have the results before the weekend. Mm -hmm. And I just could not imagine going through the weekend. Oh, no. Um, Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so we decided we, we sped up everything. And we were fortunate to have that option to do that. And just did everything as quickly as we could. So Friday, the next day, we found out that yes, what we were dealing with is compatible with life. However, there still could be a host of other issues that we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. So that we were we were waiting for results over the next four to five weeks mm-hmm. from there, and that was a really difficult time. And but we, you know, we we decided to be really open about it. Over the weekend, we spoke with our parents and we didn't go out of our way to tell people what was going on, mm-hmm. but our, our, our close friends knew I had missed a, a big lunch um, and friends knew that I was coming from a doctor's appointment. Mm-hmm. 
So it was just pretty obvious what was going on. And, and so I decided to share and it was probably the best decision that I ever mm-hmm. made it, you know, in that context sure. and because the support came pouring in, which felt good. really good. This episode is supported by Hungry Root. I am a creature of habit when it comes to food. Like I buy the same stuff in the store and generally make the same stuff over and over. Not really that fun. So in order to shake things up, I use Hungry Root. I can pick a whole meal and they send me what I need to make it, but I will also just let them choose so I don't get into my rut. And it paid off. I got the chicken shawarma non-flatbread. These are flavors that I wouldn't have thought to put together on my own, and they totally work. It was so yummy and so easy to make. And bonus, I also received for free organic roasted chicken breast that I threw into a salad for another meal. Hungry Root is my partner in healthy and yummy living. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Mom and Mine listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash cat to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash cat. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. This episode is supported by Ritual. I am by nature and nurture a bit skeptical. I have to see for myself if something works or if it's helpful before I just believe it whole cloth. And I'm open to trying things out to see for myself. And that includes finding strategies for my wellness. I have a historically low vitamin D, so it's important for me to take Ritual's Essential 18 because it has D3 in it, and their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has several other high-quality, traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. What I love and have always loved about Ritual is that it's a female-founded company, and it's a B Corp, which means they're holding themselves accountable And not just long-term, but also to the health of people and our planet. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash momandmind. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash momandmind for 25% off. Yeah. It felt really good. It was difficult to to even figure out what to say at times. So mm-hmm. eventually I came up with some scripted responses that just helped me. Yeah. Um, That's so smart. It's <laughs> just really smart. Yeah. You know, it, I, I got really good in that time compartmentalizing. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just had to. Or else you'll just feel like you're going to lose it all the time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that, that was the catalyst for diving into, or I should say completing the perinatal mental health certification. Mm-hmm. I had started, I had taken the initial two-day course through PSI, the certificate training. And then I knew at that point, I said, I need to dive into this, you know, selfishly. I need, yeah, I really course. want yeah. to learn all of this, but I, I also, I will make it my mission to make sure that no mm-hmm. matter what women are dealing with, and, you know, during pregnancy and postpartum, they should never feel alone and know that there is support available for whatever is going on in your life. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a massive stress. And I mean, there's so many things in there that you yourself were having to deal with. And I, I, that, that you were able to, to realize that this is a need at the same time while you are also suffering is, it says a lot about how passionate you are about this. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it really, it it kept me focused. Um, and 
I just, it, it was a, it was a really good goal. I said, you know, I, this has to happen before the baby comes because I don't know what's going to be. And every, mm-hmm. you know, there was so much monitoring and mm-hmm. I just, it, it was, it was a good goal to, to set. And I was able to complete that and, and then was able to focus completely on, on me and, and welcoming our baby who just turned a year old and she's doing Oh my great. goodness. Yes. Aww. Yes. So that's I, great. So she, the, the, the pregnancy, although highly monitored, w- was okay for, for the most part. It was, it, it really in retrospect was great. Relatively speaking, again, mm-hmm. understanding the full range of possibilities, you know, there was the risk of preterm birth and then underdeveloped lungs, which would then impact surgery that was needed. Mm-hmm. And then there was risk of stillbirth. And so there, it was just this range. And so, you know, so much anxiety associated with all that could be, but just kept it really one day at a time and just tried so hard to take it really slow. And I felt the best when I was hooked up to the monitors and machines course, every yeah. week. And it's like, okay, I'm here. Keep me hooked up, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it worked out fine. And, and, you know, surprisingly, I was able to be induced and had another VBAC, which I'm so grateful for, for research and evidence around this and that it was, it was best practice. And it, it was great to have that experience. I did not think that was possible for most of the pregnancy. Mm. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, So I'll just focus on your birthing experience, if I can, for just a moment of birthing your daughter. Uh, What was it like to go into that knowing that she had this condition? And yeah, that's a great question. So by the time I was ready to give birth to her, I had come to terms with the plan, which was that she would be, there would be a big team waiting for her. Mm-hmm. And that she would be taken, you know, stabilized and then taken to the NICU. Mm-hmm. And, you know, many, many weeks before that, that's truly what had crushed me was knowing that um, she would be whisked away. And yeah. so part of I had had a conversation with my doctor who, who was wonderful and I had to switch care at 28 weeks so I could deliver at the hospital where the baby would have surgery. Mm-hmm. And we had agreed that we would go up to a minute for delayed cord clamping. And to me, that was my time to just kind of hold her for mm-hmm. that, for those few seconds, of, you know, and, and yeah. that made it okay. That for me, I, that um, was really helpful. So, my, you know, my husband and I had prepared and he went off and was with her and I just made it my mission, not knowing how long it would take for her to recover from the surgery. I just made it my mission to do whatever I could do to support her. It was like gearing up for a championship right. game. You know, I right. was an athlete for most of my life. It's like, okay, I'm training, uh-huh. <laughs> right. you know, here we are. And, and that's, what so we did. surgery was pretty much immediate after birth. It happened. So she was born just after midnight and surgery was 5 p.m. that day. The medical team was incredible. They had a whole, they induced me at a certain time, expecting the baby to arrive at a certain time, hoping that surgery would be around a certain, I mean, it was, mm-hmm. it was really wonderful. So she was uh, stabilized and then uh, the surgery, I assume went well? It went very well. Okay. It, it went very well. And the team, the surgeons, the neonatologists, the nurses, and the NICU were just incredible. And it's a really special place. And so much happens in minutes there, right? Mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. days happen in an hour. Right. And it, it, it's, 
incredible how much progress she made over the next several days. We were told to expect, you know, up around four weeks in the NICU. She was out in six days. Oh, which, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it got to a point where she was able to just continue recovering at home. And mm. yes. Wow. Yes. What an amazing uh, and difficult and challenging and beautiful and all of the things journey uh, to be able to to bring her home is phenomenal. It, it really, really was. And, you know, the timing was interesting because this was end of January, 2020. Yeah. So that of course led us into a whole new era, but it, I think it set the stage for my family, uh, you know, okay, we're just, we're going to cocoon for a bit and figure mm-hmm. out a new way of life. And, mm-hmm. you know, we just were coming off of this experience. It's like, okay, we, we can do this. And we just were kind of snuggling into her and, and really just counting our blessings. Yeah. I really appreciate you sharing this journey with us. And I know we're just getting us some kind of a slice of, of what your experience was and is uh, with having your baby with you now. Um, what, what are the things you wish either like you would have known, or you want other parents to know or understand about these types of experiences? That's a great question. I think most importantly, you're not alone. I know I felt like that at many points. I know others have shared with me that they have felt that way so much and everyone's dealing with something and we all have our unique journeys of, of what our, time leading up to pregnancy is what pregnancy is like for us. And then of course, postpartum and beyond and, you know, postpartum is forever. (laughs) Um, And so just knowing that, and that, you know, if you find the right people that you're comfortable with sharing and, and seeking out support, because there are, are so many probably, you know, friends and family, but then also professionals who are trained to help and it can go a really long way. And I just hope that everybody realizes that. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for that reminder and for sharing your story. I know that you know, people who are out there who have dealt with things that are similar or resonant in some way will be so glad to know that you're, you're here and you're sharing this and it's possible to make it through. I know, I know with these experiences, it's really hard to know how you're going to manage and get through and hearing that you were able to do that and get to the other side. And it's very encouraging. Thank you. One baby step at a time, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. If you would like to learn more about occupational therapy and learn more about Leora's work, you can go to motherhoodot.net or on Instagram, motherhoodot. There's a great resource that she's also listed for us, aota.org, to learn more about occupational therapy and best practices. As usual, if you are new to this podcast, please do subscribe so that you can get all of these episodes downloaded directly to you when they become available. And we would love any reviews that you can leave for us on Apple Podcasts because that helps other people find this podcast too. Thank you for joining us. Until next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Together we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Come connect with us at momandmind.com. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. 
On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. 